0: ¿Estás cansado de oír siempre lo mismo y escuchar la misma canción una y otra vez? Pues te damos la bienvenida a los podcasts de Autentia Desarrollo, donde os acercamos las mejores charlas técnicas de la comunidad. Grits 2019. Accelerating CI, by Felipe Fernández. Grits Conference. Your source for JVM knowledge. So, thanks for coming. My name is Felipe, and today I have two objectives with this talk. So, the first one is explaining you how you can accelerate continuous integration, CI, from different perspectives. And the other one, for Spanish developers in the room, is convincing you that this is, gets pronounced Gravel and not Gravel. <laughs> feel, free, feel free to correct me if I say Maven along, <laughs> along the talk, but I will try to say Maven also. So I've been in a, well I'm a Spanish developer as you can infer from my accent. I'm based on Las Palmas de Gran Canaria and I've been working for Gradle for two years and a half on the Gradle Enterprise team. And what we're going to see today is based on our experience building Gradle Enterprise. So I think that it makes sense to uh, start uh, explaining you the domain and um, our stack, development processes, and so on. So, what is Gradle Enterprise? So, basically, it's a platform that helps you with the build speed, reliability, and the bookability of your builds. From the last release, also uh, for your Maven builds. So, it basically it's comprised of a um, Gradle plugin or a Maven extension that instruments your builds in a form of events, send it over to the build scan server that is going to give you insights on what your build actually did. Apart from that, we have a remote build cache that is going to help you avoid doing work that is not needed. So for building this, we have a team of around 15 people, mostly cross-functional, so we take care of everything, operations, database, everything. Our stack is, uh, production code is Java, Groovy for testing and Kotlin for the build scripts. We have a monorepo, around 100 of modules, gradles of modules, and we mainly push to master. So that means that the uh, integration is, is pretty continuous. We use City as the um, continuous integration server, so that means that we'll see some patterns around that particular server. So I want to explain why it was so pressing for us accelerating our CI experience. So the last time that we took a measurement on this, we have like 20,000 tests on our, on our platform, and they were unit tests. They were, most of them, they were heavy tests that integrated with the operating system, with a whole platform. So that means that they took quite a lot to execute and they used a lot of resources. So that means that we needed really to optimize our, our setup. Yeah, to explain you why that test matrix is so so massive. So this plugin and this extension needs to work with older versions of of Gradle and Maven. That's quite a lot of uh, possible yeah matrix. And then also it needs to work with um, Linux, uh, OS X, and Windows. These components, these let's say backend components, also need to work with different versions of the plugins and extension. And we support different deployment uh, procedures. We have something called an like appliance model where we zip all together, the Docker containers and the, and the scheduler for, for orchestration of the containers. And you just simply provide beefy enough hardware on your premises, and um, we deploy it there. The other, the, other, um, the other option is using Kubernetes. You can, you can deploy our platform in your Kubernetes setup cluster. I'm saying that because that's increasing even more the, the compatibility and the test matrix that we, that we have to support. So, well, before of getting into there, um, the structure of the talk, I'm going to start explaining some horror stories, so hopefully I can catch your attention with that, because even if you don't have the scale that we have or the complexity, probably you have these problems. And then once we see the horror stories, we see the recipes and the, the yeah, my, our advice is based on real experience on how to solve them. And the pictures are just for fun. It's like a sense of gloom and tragedy. Something, something wrong is going to happen if you go with these horror stories. And one is the slow pipelines. So for a healthy team, for a healthy culture, there are like two principles around CI. One is you don't push to CI that is broken. And the other one is before of pushing, you should run your tests and ensure that you are not going to break CI by pushing. that's something that is not reasonable and feasible to us for teams that has CI that is always broken, that takes forever to run, or tests that locally basically makes your your computer unusable because they use a lot of resources or because they take two hours in executing it. So that that creates like a friction in the the values that we say as a team that hold and the reality. So we see how we can avoid these uh, slow pipelines with different approaches. Manual maintenance. So, of course, nothing to do with manual maintenance. <laughs> um, we, as developers, we take proud on automation. And moreover, in a conference like this one, we really care on automation. But sometimes you can see that CI might be like, like a second-class uh, citizen on that, that respect. So what I want to show is the problems of maintaining a, a, a CI server by clicking by the configuration but with a UI instead of using code, right? We'll see exactly how we can overcome this with Team City, but you could use that the same ideas with Jenkins or other CI providers. Wasting CI resources. So, of course, this doesn't get executed in, in, uh, in the sky, in the heaven. This gets re- executed in real machines, and they cost a lot if you have a, a complex test suite. So you, you could have like a couple of horror stories. One is spending money and something that you could spend on hiring more developers, or if you have a fixed budget, you could have a CI that is um, under provision. So that means that your bills are always waiting for having an agent that is available. And then last, optimizing by year. So basically applying optimizations, not follow, not, not driven by hard data, right? just saying, well, I think that this is gonna, this is the bottleneck, but I don't know because we don't take any metrics on, on CI. So let's see. So that's obviously pretty bad. And of course, if you need to have, you need to create a hard case for procurement, for purchasing new boxes, new, new stuff, or for spending simply, uh, simply development resources on that, it's going to be hard if you don't have data to, to back it up. So we'll see how we can measure. So let's start with the first, the first section that is the slow pipelines and how to solve it by using work avoidance and parallelization. So probably most of you know that Gradle is pretty good on avoiding work that is not, that is not needed. How, how it does it? Basically Gradle is a form of tasks that has inputs and generate outputs. So for those tasks, developers need to uh, define what are the inputs that affect the output in a deterministic way. So let's see a an example, a little bit simplified. Uh, if you have a compile Java uh, task that is going to get uh, your class path with your classes and maybe the JDK version, so stuff that is going to affect the output of the classes that it's going to generate. First time that Gradle executes this, it's going to generate a cache key here, hashing the inputs that you define for that task. Then, once it compiles the classes, it's going to grab the output and put it in different cache storage, let's say. And then, the next time that you execute the same task, it's going to calculate the inputs, and if it sees that the cache key is exactly the same by the hash, it's going to reuse the output. So it's not going to rerun the compilation. And the saves of that are massive, as you, can, as you can imagine. There are like three levels that Gradle support for that. One is Constraint to your branch to your project. That is the up-to-date task that was like the first stuff that Gradle did around that The other one is the local cache So let's say that you want to swap between branches or using different Projects, but the same input the same task so That's what, what the local cache is helping you even the d- dynamics are the same the location is different, right? And then the remote cache is, the, is the, the cool guy on the block So it's the same but in a remote in a remote machine so that means that you can reuse for instance, what CI generates, put it there, and then in your local machine, you can reuse work. That's pretty cool. Maven lacks that, as we probably know, but with Gradle Enterprise, uh, now we are grabbing, improving Maven by supporting, by supporting these three levels of, of caching. So let's see a pattern of, of this build cache on continuous integration, that's our topic. So that, and that's what we currently use for Gradle Enterprise. So on CI, we push and pull to a remote cache that is living in a different box of the, of the agent, the outputs of our tasks. With greater enterprise also, you could have a distributed remote cache. So that means that the, you could have a node on Sydney, another one in, in California. And if your CI is in California and you are in the other side of the world, you are not going to pay the latency right, for those downloads. And the use case is, is pretty typical. So I'm in Spain. I come early in the morning and I download a lot of code that my Australian buddies have been working in my night. So I don't want to, well, I want to build to see that everything looks good before starting. So if I don't have the remote cache, I'm going to spend one hour or whatever um, waiting for that to be built. As I have the remote cache that the CI has previously populated during the night, this is going to be almost trivial. It's going to just be downloading the, the results for the remote cache. Another, another pattern that we use and recommend to our clients is having like a seed, warm the cache build at the beginning of the pipeline. So you structure the pipeline like this. As I told you before, we have like 100 submodules of Gradle, and all of, those, all of them has um, compilation tasks. So this seed, build, sanity check, build is going to execute the compilation for those 100 submodules, warm or populate the, the remote cache. And in the next builds that are going to be executed serially integration test, browser test, whatever, they're going to grab the compilation. So they are not, it's not going to have to execute it again. So the, the, the savings are uh, dramatically massive. So this is a really important uh, pattern for, for using effectively the, the buildcast on CI. That's about work avoidance, avoidance. But what about parallelization? This is another real example. We have a browser test for the scan servers, for the build scan server that it was growing over time, We have a lot of tests, and it was taking quite a lot. So it was the, clearly the bottleneck of the pipeline. So what we decided was to split it in eight, in eight buckets, right? So this is possible because our testing infrastructure is not serving any resources. So for instance, we use Postgres, but we create an schema per test, so that means that they are isolated. So that means that it's not only your CI structure, you need to think on your tests if they are safely paral- parallelizable. Um, something cool to think about this but thanks to the, um, to the build cards, you are not paying eight times the price of compilation. If you don't have this and you don't have the build cards and you decide to parallelize the builds, you are going to have to pay eight times that price. A lot of redundancy. And related with the measurement topic, <coughs> you should not break this too much. The scheduling on CI is not negligible, so it takes time. If you break this in 1,000 uh, tests, 1,000 builds, it's going to, the, the benefits are going to get negative. So you need to measure to see what is the sweet spot. And last, this is a, a cool feature of Team City. I don't know if uh, uh, Jenkins also provides this. It's called Personal Deals or Remote Run. So Basically, grab your dirty state, your git uh, dirty state locally, create a git patch and send it over to the server and execute it there. That means that if you, even ourselves, that we have a pretty efficient um, pipeline, it's still really heavy weight on resources. So that means that it's going to block your machine. It's going to make it unusable. By doing this, you can just push it there and get the feedback that you need without blocking your machine. What is super cool is that as it's using the build cache. It's going to warm this, let's say, dry run. is going to really warm the cache. And the next time that you really push the code, it's going to get almost instantaneous because it's going to grab everything from the from the cache. So the feedback is much, much faster. Okay, so before we get into the next section, any questions on this topic? Uh, Wait, wait. Well, I don't know if this works. It doesn't work. Okay. Yeah, with regards to the uh, pre-warming of the cache, um, is it then like always using the local cache for those builds because I found out that like also uploading and downloading caches to a, r- a remote cache is pretty time consuming like depending on the pipeline okay, that's a really good question so we disable the local cache for the seed build because our, the point of the local cache of the seed build is warming the remote cache so if you have enabled the local cache it's going to go there and not go into the remote one so that's that's how, how it works in our setup. Disabling the local cache only for that. But so you're not losing too much time with the upload download of the remote cache? You you pay a you pay a price. You pay a price. But also you as, as I told you we have a, a distributed setup. So that means that it's gonna upload it to the node that is closer to CI. So it's not massive the the penalization. But you pay a price. Any other questions? Thank you. Okay, so let's go to the next section. Then it's going, joder, sorry, <laughs> electricity. <laughs> now you learn how to say joder in Spanish, okay. <laughs> so, avoid maintenance waste. What is this about? Okay, this is Team City, Team City UI versus uh, CI as a code. So I'm going to start with a couple of use cases, real use cases. Let's say that well, this is for real. Our setup has principally builds that rely on Linux, but some of them on Windows. So that's the typical state that you want to codify just once. You don't want to repeat. Okay, this build depends on Linux. This one depends on on Linux on Windows. If you use a UI, you could um, organize that by using templates, but is uh, something similar to inheritance versus composition. It's going to get really hairy, really easy if you need to. Yeah, to inherit from different templates on the UI. By using the the, the CI as a code approach, you are going to be able to compose those requirements easily. And, of course, you are going to reuse that information. And related search, if you want to know in the future which builds of your suite are based on Windows, it's going to be as easy as doing a... who is calling this method at IntelliJ. So it's going to be pretty easy. The other real use case, review... So as I told you, we push to master most of the time, but we have a release branch that we use for releasing and for patch releases. So some time ago, we decided that we would like to have a development environment that automatically every single commit, a binary would get deployed to that uh, environment from release also. So what the, the, the change how would like for that setup? You need to do some changes on your provisioning code, whatever you use, Terraform, CloudFormation, Then you need to change the Gradle build script to support new tasks, and then you need to change your TeamCity configuration. If you are using a UI, it's impossible to put all of that together in a code review. But if you use CI as a code, it's pretty easy. And then if in the future, as an audit, you need to understand why we did these changes, how they relate each other with Gradle or with all all, all other code, it's it's impossible to do it with TeamCity or Jenkins UI. Because you have an audit mechanism, but it's not related with the rest of your code. So whoop, let's see some real code for the browser uh, test before that I told you. So this is using the Team City Kotlin DSL that is pretty cool. So th- let's see the code. Oh, well, can you see it from everybody? Cool. So here we generate a sub project called Scan Server Test Browser and we iterate over this ri- range eight times to create eight gradle builds, group one, group two, et cetera. And here we define the trigger. We say sanity check build. Remember that it was the seed build. So every time that this guy gets uh, executed successfully, then this guy is going to get executed also after the fact. And then last we say here the gradle task invocation. So you can imagine that if you need to scale this setup, it should be as easy a scale up or down. It should be as easy as changing this. So it's much much easier if you need to go to the UI and adding a new or or removing some screen. Just to see how powerful is the reusable thanks to Kotlin and the DSL that City provides. This is how we create this graded build type that is not built in on on the DSL. So with a, by using a Kotlin extension method, we extend this project uh, object that is from the built-in uh, library, and then we say well we say a lot of stuff, but just to give you a feeling, we say. We want always the stack trace to be enabled to to, to be able to get, get that diagnosis easier. And also, we want to use the Gradle wrapper. We want to use the Daemon and stuff like that. These get defined only once on the on the on the code. And then Gradle. So this is the guy that is creating the task. So we also iterate eight times in this case, and we create eight test group test tasks here. Before of creating that, we have a configuration task. That basically is going to grab your source set, test source set, that in, in plain English means your test, living on your on your class path. It's going to sort them, so you have a kind of deterministic way of thinking where the tests are going, in, in which bucket. Then we have some assumption about our code. We only have groovy tests. We don't want to test the base classes where we store our fixtures. And then we distribute them evenly. Right? So that means that in the first bucket, it's going to go always the same... As uh, test and, and and continuously like that. And then we use this cool feature of test that allows you to only execute the test that matches some pattern. Right? In this case the classes that we just extracted. So by doing this you can see that this is this has zero maintenance so if you, if you or your code base grows this is going to grow with it so you are not going to have a, a bucket that is massive it's going gonna, it's gonna to evenly distribute those and you don't have to annotate your test classes, saying this go to test group one, test group two. And uh, the same with the Kotlin DSL, if you want to scale up or down, you just need to change the spec count here. So, any questions on this? Cool. Increase CI resource efficiency. So this is the architecture of ThinCity, probably that's well known for most of the CI providers. There is uh, not this button. There is centralized TeamCity server that is in charge of scheduling the agents, um, reporting, uh, administrative tasks, a lot of stuff, and then the build agents. There are the actual processes that are in charge of executing your builds. Those build agents, are, if you have uh, some parallelization on your on your pipeline, that parallelization might be because you push different branches, so you don't need to have a complex setup. That means that you are going to need to have a build farm with a lot of agents. Otherwise, you're going to have contention because they are going to be always busy. So those CI agents can be deployed into different environments. So on the left of the spectrum, it's bare hardware, no virtualization whatsoever. Then virtual machines, they are um, not super fast to recreate, but it gives you more flexibility than bare hardware. Then semi-permanent containers, you know what is a container, but the se- semi-permanent in this context means that we don't destroy them after every single build. So they are gonna keep a state, and we'll see why. And then ephemeral containers is you just simply kill them after every single build. So which one you should um, select for your use case? Well, it depends at least in two dimensions. One is the performance. So you probably know that Gradle is pretty good about doing optimization based on a state between builds. There is the concept of the Gradle daemon, that is a background process that is going to keep in memory some information of your configuration and it's going to help you to avoid doing spurious configuration in the next one. Also, it's keeping a JVM warm, so that means that with time, it's going to get more and more efficient. If you have an ephemeral container set up, you are going to lose all of that. That's that's one of the optimization. The other one is the dependency cache. Don't, Don't get confused with the build cache. Dependency cache is for... Um, stuff like JUnit, Guava, so external dependencies that you depend on, Gradle keeps them on a local folder. And if you uh, have ephemeral containers, at, at least at the moment, Gradle doesn't support like mounting um, host, contai- host volumes into the container. So that means that you are going to lose also this this optimization. There is a workaround, a mitigation that is using a, a mirror. Like artifactory or something like that that you can collocate closer to the CI agent. So you are going to still pay the price of downloading again the, the dependency, but at least uh, with less latency. And then operations: if your if your software keeps a state uh, between builds, sometimes it's, it's not on purpose. So you could have a browser test that should kill a Chrome driver processes after uh, using it, maybe you you forget to do it, and then. That, that, let's say, crap that gets uh, lying around if, uh, can make your your machine unusable if you have too many of those. So If you have an ephemeral container set up, obviously you don't need to worry about that because you are, you are not going to keep crap around. And if you have a bare hardware, it's going to be harder for you to recreate. So you, you need to have some opera, operational expertise to understand what's going on. So what we what we are doing in Red Enterprise, we have a 100 thing, uh, build farm agents that is served with the build tool team, and um, most of them are living in a provider, cloud provider. German one, not really well known, with no virtualization. We use Salt as configuration management, so that means that we can recreate those boxes if needed. It's slow, but at least if, that, if you get into a nasty operational issue, at least you can just kill, kill them all and start again. Apart from that, we have a small subset of that uh, of that farm that is based on EC2 agents spot instances. And I don't know if you know how they work. Basically, you just pay for what you use with those spot instances. You provide like a bad price. And when you request those instances, if you match the price, the price at that very moment, you're going to get instances. Otherwise, not. That means that you shouldn't use that for critical workloads, but it works really well for helping you with with bursts, so whenever we do a release for instance, we need more. Probably we're going to need more machines on that. So Tin City is clever enough through a plugin to go to Tin City uh, to EC2, request some of those boxes, and then start them for us. What is cool is that we use a feature called idle timeout, so we don't kill them every uh, after every single build. We keep them around for two hours of of idle uh, timeout. So that means that we don't lose the optimization that I told you before with the Gradle Demon and so on. So it's a mix, a mix setup. So before of going to the last section, any question on this? Cool. Uh, measure acceleration. So before of getting into how can you you can measure stuff, you need to think what are your key metrics on your organization. There are many, I'm gonna show you just three that are pretty important for us. Time spent in queue, so they, that shows you, uh, we, we saw for instance that Windows builds uh, were spending more time in the queue than the Linux one. So that was an indication that we should request more Windows boxes to procurement. Uh, total time of key build, that depends on what is a key build for you, might be deploying to development, executing a smoke test, deploying to production, that depends on, on you. But se- psychologically is what a developer thinks Whenever this is green, I'm I'm free to go. I'm free to go to the next to the next task. So by seeing the total time of this, you, you can get a feeling if you are optimizing what is more important for your team and not the side task, let's say. Then retry ratio, ratio is how many times a build per commit needs to be run until it gets green. So with this you get, get a feeling of how flaky is your, your setup. Bear in mind that there are different reasons for what we usually say flakiness. One is Legit issues might be that you are pushing broken code, testing or production code, and by seeing this retry ratio, you can have some some indication that you should work on that. Might be real flakiness because your tests depend on time concurrency or whatever, so they sometimes work, sometimes not, or might be environmental issues. As I told you before, you could use a, a mirror, artifactory mirror, to 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 help you with the dependency cache, and might be. W- not properly configured. So it's always down and that's affecting our test, right? But to get a feeling of how much we should spend on, impro- in, on improving that, you should have, yes, a, a metric like this one. TeamCity has a REST API that gives you information on that and, um, and it's pretty cool and I can imagine that the, the other CI providers provide stuff like that. We use, he- we use, oops, we use heavily for yeah, for creating dashboards like this. And then Gradle Enterprise also provides a, it's not a REST API, it's a server-send uh, events-based API. And it basically gives you the representation of what your build is doing. So, for instance, in this case, it's giving you a build event, build requested task, and this build requested build, the task build. By grabbing these raw data, you can create your own visualization. And we have clients like Tableau that are experts on that domain and they are creating really, really cool uh, dashboard and and machinery around that. Of course, Gradle Enterprise, we have our own opinionated view of what you could do with that data. And an example is this performance dashboard. And in here we can see an average of Gradle bills for this period of time. And we can see how the avoidance savings, so we are well, it's not really clear, but we are saving like 11 minutes per build, thanks to avoidance, and we can see on um, the three levels that I told you before, where it's going. So, in this particular build, we are getting a lot of benefits with the up-to-date, and less with the local biz, uh, local build cache, and less with the remote build cache. But that depends on your setup. So, by seeing this, you can see if you are regressing with your last, last changes, because this is, not, this is not magic, let's say, the build cache. You need to you need to pay attention to the new tasks that you are making cacheable, if they are working well, or if they are regressing, or not. But without data, well, it's kind of hard to know what is going on. So, conclusion, so save your pipeline around the build cache and parallelization. We saw that it's, in theory, really useful. I, I don't have data here, but I can tell you that at least for us it's been a dramatic difference. Um, Be aware of the trade-offs when setting up CI agents infra, so there is not a bad setup. You just need to know what kind of performance are you um, willing to trade off, or what kind of operational expertise do you have. Measure everything, everything in the the terms of every domain. So measure CI, measure measure your build. That doesn't mean that you should measure every single occurrence, because then you're going to get flooded by noise. And then CI as, as code. So we treat CI as, as as the rest of your of your platform as as code and not as clicks on the screens. So now for real, do you have any questions? I have a dumb question. I I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> you are the question guy. Um, I I'll go ahead and ask because I'm I'll. Maybe everyone else in the room knows, but what is Team City? I, I'm not familiar with it. Do, do you know Jenkins? Yeah, it's the same, but done by JetBrains. So it's oh, a, okay. The continuous so, integration. Was getting, that was my next question. Is it part of IntelliJ, or do they? No, plug it's a different, it? a different product. Oh, it's developed by them, but it's a different different product. Right, but you showed the screenshot earlier. It looked like IntelliJ. Yeah, because they have deep integration, as they are oh, okay. built for the same guy from the same guys. They are. They yeah. have. Okay. I don't think that you can run that remote build personal build stuff without IntelliJ, but I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Sorry. That was just my dumb question. No, it's a good question. <laughs> Anyone else? Any other dumb questions? <laughs> 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 no, it wasn't dumb. <laughs> ah, okay. Sorry. Can you pass the the microphone? Uh, apart from Team City, uh, have you experimented with other kind of uh, CI systems that uh, be, they have the same kind of features like APIs and, uh, and uh, CIS code features like the DSL? At the moment, my team is experimenting with Jenkins, but I, personally, I didn't. What I know is, for instance, uh, they use a Groovy DSL. I think that's pretty similar to that one. And, and I can imagine that they provide a REST. API because nowadays a serious professional product they, they provide like a automatic way of consuming the data but I don't have a lot of experience to be honest to say and I'm, I'm not here, and I not like doing a a, a support talk uh, for, for Team City. so I think that Jenkins is great I think that it's just the one that we use any other question so remember Gradle not Gradle we have one. Why, why wait, wait. Doing sorry, sorry. Because if you're doing all these builds with a pre a git pre commit hook, why uh-huh. still go straight to master opposed to doing like a pull request model? Well, it's, it's because our model of re- reviewing works like that. We like we don't like having block code, let's say, on branches waiting for reviews. We, we heavily review the code, so it seems that it's going to get probably re- rewritten from the first time that we push it. so if we, we would go with pull requests, that means that probably that code is going to wait one week let's say on the on the pull request branch and then whenever as the time goes, whenever you're going to do a merge, you're going to have probably merge conflicts because the time pass over so we we find that going directly to master goes pretty well. We use crucible for code reviews so that means that you don't you just uh, attach like a um, uh, a reference to the crucible review in the commit, and then automatically get go, it's going to get to the same space and the same crucible review. And it works pretty well for us. I mean, you would say you are pushing bad code to to master. Well, it depends on what you think of bad code. So we, we, we try not to push in code that is going to uh, make unstable our development environment. So you shouldn't push broken code anyway. But we, we can push code that is going to be rewritten, because it's not uh, as polished as we want, or, or because we have different ideas. Anyway, we, we are experimenting also with, with pull requests. We are experimenting sometimes if you. Now we are gonna. Uh, I'm gonna give you a real ex- example. We are gonna migrate from Postgres 10 to Postgres 11. And that's something that you can't really do uh, without making unstable your dev environment. So you can really use feature, feature toggles or stuff like that for that. You just need to work in a branch, and whenever it's ready, then you can integrate it. But for other feature, uh, product, product features, it, it works going to master. I don't know if I answered you. Yeah. OK? So thank you. <laughs>